Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good to have you guys in today. If you guys want to get involved, the text line 69306. You can always hit me up. I am on Twitter at BK Sports Talk. We got Rocco on the other side of the glass with us this morning. If you want to give me a call, you can do so. 913-576-7610. Coming up here in just about 10 minutes, Patrick Mullins not named to the All-Pro team. We'll discuss what that means for the Chiefs and why. I actually think it's a pretty significant thing. We'll do that coming up here in just about 10 minutes or so. But the place that I want to begin is something that I feel really strongly about. So, the New England Patriots. I've said all year they're no good. They're not a good football team. Yes, they are 12-4. and four. Yes, going into last week, they had every opportunity to clinch the number two overall seed in the AFC. I understand how that can be a little misleading. The Patriots are not good. In the last five weeks, they are 2-3. and three. The only football teams that they've played that are good, they have lost to, which is, of course, the Chiefs and the Texans. And I don't even know how good the Texans are. We will get into that later on this morning as well. They beat the Bills because Josh Allen couldn't hit the broadside of the barn. They lost to the Miami Dolphins at home. They have lost two of their last three home games. They are also 22-2 and two in their last 24 home games. Yes, This is a team that is clearly in steady decline. Tom Brady is not the same guy that he once was. Bill Belichick's defense has not been playing as well of late. This is not the Patriots that we had seen previously. They are also the scariest team that's playing this weekend. Those two things can both be true. The Patriots are not a very good football team. And also... The only thing that scares me in the AFC of all four teams that are going to be playing later today is the Patriots defense. I'm not that afraid of Derrick Henry right now. I'm not afraid of the Titans as a whole. The Texans are not good. The Bills are not a very good football team. They don't do enough to scare you. The only thing of any of the teams that are playing today that can legitimately scare the Kansas City Chiefs is the New England Patriots defense. And so I say all of that to say this. The scariest possible opponent that the Chiefs could see in the second round, that's the team I want to see them face. I thought Ken Swanson of Arrowhead Pride said it best. He said, quote, can the scariest matchup also be the one I see, want to see the most? The Patriots have been an underwhelming football team the second half of the season. They just blew a home game against a bad team to be able to give the Chiefs a bye. But is anyone really going to count out Tom Brady and Bill Belichick? I need to see the Chiefs do it. I love that the Chiefs could potentially have the opportunity to play a rematch with the Patriots. That doesn't mean it still doesn't worry me, though. The only quarterback-head coach combo with the playoff win that the Chiefs could face in the playoffs are the reigning Super Bowl champions. They deserve that amount of respect. He's not wrong. And based on the way that the Kansas City Stars poll went earlier this week, you guys tend to agree with me. 
They asked which team Chiefs fans want to face in the divisional round. 38% of you said the Patriots. 32% of you said the Bills. I'm guessing that's because 32% of you think that the Bills are trash. 10% of you said the Texans, and 20% of you said that it does not matter who they play. The 40% of you that said the Patriots, those are the people that I agree with. And I think there's a number of different reasons as to why. The biggest one for me, though, is this. If this is the end for the Patriots, I want the Chiefs to be the team that puts them out. I don't want it to end any other way. I don't want Derrick Henry running for 200 against them. I don't want Ryan Tannehill to be the guy that ultimately puts Tom Brady to rest. I don't want any of that. I want the Patriots coming to Kansas City and for the Chiefs to do this year what they couldn't do last year. This thing has gone on five, six years past when it was supposed to. The Patriots dynasty was supposed to end when the Falcons were supposed to beat them when they were up 28-3 to in the Super Bowl. It didn't end because we all know what happened next. But the Patriots dynasty was supposed to end that night. It has continued. They have won Super Bowls since then. And they are now getting ready to do what I believe is their final playoff run. I think it's going to end in a loss. I think these things typically end worse than you expect them to. These things are ugly when they end. I think Tom Brady's going to play next year. I don't think it'll be with the Patriots. I think Bill Belichick's going to coach that next year. I think it will be with the Patriots. I think we are w- witnessing the end of this dynasty. And so if that is true, if my if-then hypothesis is accurate, and this is going to be the end, then I want the Chiefs to be the ones that do it. Does it ultimately matter in the grand scheme of things? No. But for me, it does. It holds some value to me that of all the teams that could do it, the team that would be doing it is the team that, first of all, I root for, obviously, which that's nice. And second of all, I believe that the Chiefs will be the next team in line. I think that when you're looking for around the AFC, and this is something that we will do later on today as well, there's going to be a Batman to everybody else's Robin moving forward. There's going to be the hunter and the hunted. And I believe that the Chiefs are going to be the alpha in the AFC. The Patriots have been the alpha unlike anybody that we've ever seen in the history of the NFL. For 20 years, they've been the number one. Everybody else builds their football team to be able to beat that squad. That's never happened. We've seen it over 10-year spans. We've seen it over five-year spans with a number of teams. Never has there ever been a football team that for 20 years was that team. I don't think the Chiefs will be that. But I do think for the next decade, as we enter the 2020s now, the Chiefs are going to be the team that when teams go into the offseason, when the Texans are going into the offseason this year, or when the Bills are going into the offseason thinking that they can do something special next year, they're going to say, how do we get over the hump that is the Chiefs? How do we build our roster in a way that can overcome the Chiefs? The same way that in the past, if you're the Chiefs, you had to go into the draft one year eventually and say, our quarterback's not good enough. We need somebody in here that can overcome the Patriots. And they decided Patrick Mahomes was the guy that would be able to do that. And now he's the guy that's tasked with doing it. And so as I'm watching the games later today, I put a little money down. On the Bills' money line, I think they're going to beat the Texans today because I think they're better. I put a little money down on the Titans' money line. I think they're going to beat the Titans today because I think the Titans, or excuse me, I think they're going to beat the Patriots today because I think the Titans are a better football team. 
I also will be rooting for me to be wrong. I want to see the Patriots win this. I want to see the Patriots come to Arrowhead next week for the Chiefs to be able to right the wrong of what happened a year ago. I want the Chiefs to end the dynasty. It would be poetic justice. It would be the start of something new. Every story, every every writer in the country would say the exact same thing the next day. That Monday after the Sunday, it sounds like the Chiefs are going to play that Sunday at 2 o'clock. The stories that will be written will all say the same thing. We just saw the passing of the torch. That's what it is. We just saw the passing of the torch. And they won't be wrong. That will be exactly what we will be seeing. And so I want that. I know it's the scariest drought. The only thing that can trip up the Chiefs out of any of the teams that are playing this weekend, in my opinion, in the AFC, is the Patriots' defense. It's the only thing that's tried and true. Bill Belichick is the only coach that scares me out of these four. There are no real players. Like, if you go through the best players of the four teams that are playing this weekend, and you add them up and you look at, like, okay, how many blue-chip talents are there this weekend? The Bills, they have Tredavious White. Probably their only true blue chip talent, the Texans. They've got DeAndre Hopkins. They've got J.J. Watt. They've got Deshaun Watson. That's probably the extent of their blue chip talent. The Titans have Derrick Henry. I'm not willing to put A.J. Brown up there yet. He's really good, but they basically have Derrick Henry, and that's kind of it for the Titans. And then for the Patriots, you've got Stephon Gilmore, and in terms of blue chip talent, that might be it. There's six dudes, basically. I went through all four teams, six dudes that I would consider to be blue chippers. Now let's go through the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Mitchell Schwartz. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Chris Jones, you guys get the point. Tyron Matthew, like the Chiefs just had six blue chippers on their team. The high level talent wins in the postseason. The Chiefs have high-level talent, unlike any other team that's in the AFC wildcard round. The Chiefs have the second-best coach in all of football, in my opinion, and Andy Reid. The only thing that scares me, it's not the talent, it's not the quarterback, it's not the running games. The only thing that scares me out of any of the teams that can come out of today's games, if I'm a Chiefs fan, is the New England Patriots defense. And the only thing I want to see to come out of this round of the playoffs is the Patriots defense coming to Arrowhead next week and Patrick Mahomes making them look silly. It's the only thing I want. I know it's not Christmas anymore, but a Christmas gift come late that I would love to see is the Patriots winning by seven today. A whole lot of national analysts coming on the air on Monday saying, you know what? We were wrong. Patriots dynasty, not over. We, we wrote them for dad too early. And then next week, this time next week, we're talking about the Chiefs game, and we're talking about how the Chiefs are finally going to be able to put the end the Patriots dynasty. I'm Brandon Kyler. We got Rocco on the other side of the glass. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. If you guys want to hit me up, the text line is 69306, always on Twitter as well, at BK Sports Talk. Coming up on the other side, Patrick Mahomes was not named to the All-Pro team yesterday, and I think it tells you everything you need to know about the 2019 Chiefs. I'll explain it next. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. All right, so we'll get into the Patrick Mahomes not making the all-pro team. We'll get into that coming up here momentarily. And coming up in about 15 minutes, I want to revisit the John Dorsey conversations. We'll do that coming up 
in a little bit as well. We are off at 11 o'clock this morning. K-State basketball coverage coming your way. The opening of Big 12 play. So stay tuned for that as well. I want to get into the Mahomes thing momentarily, but this just came across. Rocco was talking into my ear as we were going to break. Hey, uh, there's some news on the Cowboys thing. You got to check this out. All right, I'll go ahead and check this out. Let's see, Rocco. What do we got here? So the news this morning is not that Jason Garrett has been fired. No, that has not taken place yet. Nope, nope, nope. We still aren't there, although yesterday Sean told me that they have. Nope, there has been no report yet officially that Jason Garrett has been fired. But that doesn't mean that they can't interview his potential successors, right? That's how that works. So former Packers coach Mike McCarthy is, according to NFL Network, on his way to Dallas, and he will, quote, meet with the Cowboys. I wonder what they're going to be discussing. I would imagine they will probably be discussing the fine food scene that is Dallas. Mike McCarthy just going down there for a nice little vacation, right? I'm sure he's not busy right now. There's no other jobs that he's been talking about recently, right? So, anyway, basically the story here is, the Cowboys are doing everything they can not to fire Jason Garrett because his contract expires 10 days from now. And so they just don't want to write the press release. This is Jay, this is Jerry Jones saying, I'm not writing a press release that says that we fired Jason Garrett. Instead, we'll just let his contract lapse. We won't say anything about updating it. We won't say anything about an extension. And so everybody will then know on January 14th, Jason Garrett is no longer the Cowboys coach without me actually having to say anything about him getting fired. And in the meantime, we'll go ahead and, you know, go interview all the guys that could potentially be his successor. So good job on you, Cowboys. Also news from Adam Schefter. The Patriots are expected to be disciplined for acknowledging uh, acknowledged game day video violations in Cincinnati. Discipline likely to come in the next two weeks but not all security reports are back to the NFL yet. That according to Adam Schefter, of course, that was the uh, the guy, the rogue, according to the Patriots guy that was videotaping the sideline in Cincinnati. Patriots expected to be disciplined. My guess would be a fine and a day three draft pick. I think that's what we'll probably see for the Patriots. They'll get fined. And they will get a day three draft pick would be my guess. Uh, Ian Rappaport also confirming this. Uh, the Patriots did, in fact, commit a game day violation. And they are expected to be disciplined for taping the Bengals sidelines. What's not clear is if there is a link back to the football operations as not all security reports are back to NFL offices. All right. So that is a new wrinkle in this story because there was a report last week that there was no link between the football operations and the guy that was videotaping the Bengals sidelines. If there is a link that they have found between the football operations side and the guy that was filming, this will not be a day three draft pick. This will be an early draft pick because that would then be Spygate 2.0. So as much as I believe that it's not going to be that big, if they did find a link, it will be a massive, massive scandal that we have undersold already. So, the Cowboys are about to interview Mike McCarthy. The Patriots were found of wrongdoing, and they will be disciplined in some way. Those are the two news stories this morning. Let's move on to the Chiefs for you guys. So, the news of the week was the All-Pro team. And I kept looking up and down the story. that There, there was no mention of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes did not make the All-Pro team. 
not exactly surprising given the year that he had and the injuries that he incurred. That being said, I would be curious if I told you this before the story or before the season. If I told you before the season that Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill, neither of those two would be named to the first team All-Pro team. Neither of those two would be named to the second team All-Pro team. How would you think the the season went? If I told you this in July, that Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill will not make first or second team All-Pro. So Patrick Mahomes will not be one of the two best quarterbacks in the league. Tyreek Hill will not be one of the four to six best receivers, depending on how the teams are constructed in the NFL. If I told you that in July, August, as we are getting prepared for this season, how would you then change your projection of what the season would ultimately be? Because for me, if you had told me that, if you had told me the Chiefs don't have a top two quarterback and they don't have a top six receiver, I would have said, oh boy, the Chiefs are in for a world of hurt this year. Compared to what our expectations were. So, for the Chiefs, that could have meant 10-6. and That could have meant a four seed and you're playing against the Bills in the first round of the playoffs. Which, relative to expectations coming into the season, would have been an absolute failure. It went everything but. The Chiefs' offense has not been what it was a year ago. But sometimes I think we get a little too caught up in exactly what the Chiefs' offense was a year ago and don't look at what the overall team was. So, I was looking at this yesterday. The Chiefs last year, let's reminisce a little bit. They went 12-4. and four. They finished the year 5-1 and the one in the division, 10-2 and two in the conference, and with a plus 144 point differential. Plus 144. That's the key number there. Plus 144. This year, 12-4, same record. 6-0 and oh in the division, 9-3 and three in the conference, plus 143 in point differential. How crazy is that? The exact same record as they had last year. They are one point different in terms of their overall point differential. So what that means is total points scored. This is not some fancy stat. Total points that you scored minus the points that the other team scored. What is the overall score for the season for you? The Chiefs last year outscored their opponents by 144 points. This year they have outscored their opponents by 143 points. Last year, Patrick Mahomes played all 16 games. This year, he missed two games due to injury and was hurt in about six or seven other games. What they have done this year, the turnaround that we have seen defensively this year has been nothing short of incredible. And I know we've talked about it all year long. And so you've heard the stories. You know what Tyron Matthew means to the defense. You know what Frank Clark has done for the defense in terms of the mindset that they have on the field. But when I just put it as simply as Patrick Mahomes didn't make a top two all-pro team. Tyreek Hill did not do what we expected this year in large part because of the injury. And yet the Chiefs still in terms of getting the first round by, having the exact same record, having the win in New England, having basically the same point differential, have the same year that they did a year ago. Credit to Steve Spagnuolo. Credit to Brett Veach. Credit to the defense for being able to step up in a massive, massive way. The Chiefs a year ago were a team that was going into the playoffs with a high-flying offense that had very little else. They didn't have a great running game. They didn't have a great defense. Their special teams were good, but not elite. They had a really fantastic passing game. 
and it damn near took them to the Super Bowl, and they almost could have won it. I think if they had gone to that Super Bowl and they were four inches away from doing so, they would have won the Super Bowl. This year, they're different. Last year's A game for the Chiefs was winning games something like 42 to 31. It was a high-flying, exciting, incredible game, but you never really totally felt comfortable with the lead. You always felt like the defense at any given point could let up a touchdown. This year's A game is different. This year's A game is what we saw against the Broncos and what we saw against the Bears. This year, when the Chiefs are playing at their best, they're winning games 23-3. to They're winning games 26-3. to It's what we saw against the Chargers, where for most of that game, it was basically out of, out of harm's way. They ended up winning 31-21. to That's the difference between the Chiefs a year ago and the Chiefs this year. They're still winning games by a very similar margin, but the way they're going about doing so is different. And I think the way they're doing so is actually more conducive to winning a Super Bowl. I think this team is battle-tested. I think this team has built up a little body armor around them in a way that they didn't a year ago. They have gone into New England and won. They beat the Vikings at home. They beat the Ravens earlier this year at home. This team has been through things that they didn't have to overcome a year ago. And they've done things. They've won games. They've beaten teams that they didn't beat in the regular season a year ago. I think this regular season has prepared them more for the playoffs than what they were last year. And because of that reason, it's why I'm picking them ultimately to get to the Super Bowl and win it this year. I think this team is is prepared for the playoffs in a way that they just couldn't be last year. And a lot of that is because of the way that Patrick Mahomes has overcome those injuries and the way that the team has been built around him to be able to overcome those injuries. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. We only have 30 minutes left here. It's a quick show this morning. We got K-State basketball coming up at 11 o'clock. Coming up next, I want to revisit the John Dorsey conversation because he was fired earlier this week. Again. And it's time that we talk about what he really did here in Kansas City. We'll do that next. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. Download the Radio.com app to listen to 610 Sports Radio wherever you are. Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. We've got Rocco on the other side of the glass. The text line 69306. You can always hit me up on Twitter. I am at BK Sports Talk. So before we get into the John Dorsey conversation revisited, a little bit of an update on the Cowboys situation. As I mentioned moments ago, the Cowboys expected to meet with ex-Packers coach Mike McCarthy in the coming days. No, they have not yet fired Jason Garrett officially yet. So this is an open relationship. They have officially changed their status on Facebook to open relationship. Um, Apparently, according to Ian Rappaport, they are also interested in ex-Bengals coach Marvin Lewis. So I think that would be a terrible hire for the Cowboys. I actually think he would make a lot of sense for the Browns. I think the Browns need somebody that's going to be an adult in the room. And I think we saw this year that Marvin Lewis is actually a pretty darn good football coach. He was in a terrible situation in Cincinnati. When he got to Cincinnati, they didn't have a scouting department. Like, he had to to modernize their scouting departments 
So they had people that would go scouts. Like, that that's the job that Marvin Lewis had to do in Cincinnati. So he brought them from, like, the 15th century of football to the 20th century of football, and that's, like, all he could do. He's like, I can't get you to the 21st. I can get you to the 20th century. I'm not even worried about analytics right now. We, we, we can't go there. We'll, we'll, you guys can figure that out after me. So I think he would be a really good hire for certain teams, and I think Cleveland actually is probably the team that makes the most sense for him. They need an adult in the room. That's why I think Mike McCarthy would make some sense for them as well. The guys that are being connected to this Dallas job, if I'm a Cowboys fan, though, like Mike McCarthy, that ain't the dude that's getting us over the top. I saw him. He was with the Packers. He was with Aaron Rodgers. If you can't work in that situation, why do I think that you're going to get me over the top? The Cowboys are in a situation where they need the guy that's going to get them to the next step. The Browns are the team that needs the guy that can get them to the doorstep. Does that make sense? Like, the, the the Browns just want to go 10 and 6. They just want to make the playoffs. They just want to be able to be a respected organization again. They don't want to be a laughingstock. The Cowboys, for as much as we laugh at them, have been 8 and 8, 9 and 7 for years. They've been close to reaching that pinnacle. They've been close to getting to NFC Championship games. They have the talent to be able to do it. Now they just need the coach to unlock some of those things. I don't think Mike McCarthy's that guy. I don't think Marvin Lewis is that guy, even though I think both could be fits in certain situations. So that's the latest update on the coaching carousel right now. We will continue to keep you apprised with any information as we get it throughout the morning. As I said, the text line 69306. You guys can give me a call, 913-576-7610. So I want to talk about John Dorsey this morning because – there was another news report earlier this week. This comes from Ian Rappaport and our guy John Dorsey once again fired. John Dorsey. <laughs> Not that one. If you want to turn my computer on, if you want to uh, put the audio up for my computers, that way I can play some audio. Uh, here we go. John Dorsey, this is Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. The reason this is called a parting of ways and not a firing is they wanted to reduce Dorsey's power, essentially give someone else final say, potentially the new head coach. Uh, that is something that was not acceptable to John Dorsey. He was not going to have his power stripped and basically just be the head scout in the organization. So he met with owner Jimmy Haslam today. Going into that meeting, we knew that the likelihood is was Dorsey was going to lose his job. That's exactly what happened. And now the Browns need a new head coach. They need a new general manager. So that was Ian Rappaport earlier this week. Basically, John Dorsey got into a power struggle and lost and ultimately lost his job as a result. Does that sound familiar? Because it sounds familiar to me. And so there's been a lot of conversation all week from Chiefs fans and elsewhere about, okay, hold on a second. Let's take a step back because John Dorsey, the talent scout, John Dorsey, the guy that's going to bring in really good football players, has done a great job for years. He brought in a ton of talent for the Chiefs. He brought in all this talent for the Browns. It's why everybody was so excited about Cleveland in the offseason. John Dorsey, the team builder, is not very good. John Dorsey does one thing really well. He says to himself, is this, a good, is this guy really good at football? The answer is yes, he wants him on his football team. The answer is no, he doesn't want him on his football team. And so that works to an extent 
The problem is there's nothing else that's considered. He doesn't care what the off-field stuff is. He doesn't care how they're going to fit into the locker room. He doesn't care how it fits into the team-building philosophy of what his coach actually wants to accomplish on the field. He wants to look at what the guy does and is he good. And he brings those dudes in. And it works when you have Andy Reid as the head coach because Andy Reid will make it work with whoever he's given. And so when he was here in Kansas City, everybody was like, damn, this guy's great at his job. He's bringing all this talent. Look at Tyreek Hill. Look at all these guys. We've got all these stars. But the defense, you started to look at it, and you're like, man, at some point, they've kind of got to start getting a little depth in here. They've they've got some holes that are kind of glaring, and it feels like Dorsey's not been able to fill them. The longer Dorsey was here, the more you saw those holes become a problem. And I think what we now can look back on and say is Dorsey was really good at finding blue chip talent, really good at it, the best at it. In fact, I think he was better at that than Brett Veach. I think he was better at that than any other GM, maybe in all of football. The problem is he wasn't great at building the team. And the same thing happened this year in Cleveland. As much as everybody was excited about the, the, the skill guys that they had and Miles Garrett and all these dudes that are just, they're going to put up all these numbers. Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and David Njoku, and Nick Chubb. And uh, you had so much talent everywhere on the field. They didn't have an offensive line. And so at some point, that was going to matter. John Dorsey thought he could go into the season with a field number one draft pick at left tackle and a bunch of dudes across the offensive line scattered or throughout, and it wasn't going to matter. And it did matter. It mattered immensely. And Baker Mayfield took a huge step back as a result. And so John Dorsey is a good talent evaluator. He's not good at building a roster. He's not good at building a team. And we've now seen this happen multiple times where the head coach, the owner, the GM, the people that are in charge all kind of look around and they're like, man, for all the good that comes with Brett Veach, or excuse me, with John Dorsey, it's a whole lot of bad that comes with it as well. So I do think it's time at this point, we look at what Brett Veach has done with the job that he's done putting together this defense and the, the amount of depth that he's added throughout the team. We'll give him a little bit of credit. Because as much as I liked Doors, as much as I liked some of the dudes that he brought in here and the talent, the top-end talent that he had, and he actually does kind of, in a lot of ways, complement what Brett Veach brings with the depth. Dorsey inherited a whole hell of a lot. He had a great coach to be able to work with. And he ended up, by the end of it, having a whole lot of holes that remained on this team. All right, let's go through some rapid fire. I want to get my top thoughts on some of these games for the weekend because it's an awesome weekend of football. And it starts today coming up at 3 o'clock. Bills and Texans. The Texans are a a two-and-a-half-point home favorite. If Will Fuller was playing in this game, I think I would take the Texans. And that might sound crazy to you. The number two receiver really makes that much of a difference. He does. If you look at the numbers, they're averaging seven fewer points when Will Fuller's not in the game as as opposed to when he's out there. I'm going to take the Bills. Carrington always says something about football games that I think kind of sticks with me. It's not exactly the most uh, original thought, but it is a thought nonetheless. Styles make fights. And in this fight, the Texans are a heavyweight boxer who can only beat you with a knockout. If they go 12 rounds, they're going to lose this game. If this goes to a decision, the Bills will win. 
The Bills are the opposite. The Bills are Floyd Mayweather. The Bills are the team that's got their hands up the whole time. All they can do is jab you, and they're going to connect on that a lot. But they're the best mover in the ring of any boxer that's out there. They're incredible defensively. They're a technician. The Bills might not beat you, but the Bills aren't going to lose. So you have to go beat them. I know that's a weird way to put it, but the Texans, when they have Will Fuller out there, have the capability to beat any team in the league. When he's not out there, I just don't know if they can put up 28, 31 points. I think the Bills win this one. I'm going to take the Bills on the money line. Houston, minus two and a half in this game. I've got the Bills going on the road and winning. I think that's a theme for the AFC side of things. I've got the Texans beat, or excuse me, the Titans beating the Patriots in New New England later tonight as well. The Patriots are four and a half point home favorite in this one. I've seen a lot of people kind of reverse their thoughts on the Patriots this week. A lot of people that said all year the Patriots are no good and the Titans are the hottest team in football have now decided, "Ah, I'm not willing to go against the Patriots in the playoffs. The infrastructure, the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, I think they're going to put together a game plan. The one thing that does concern me as somebody that's backing the Titans in this game, Bill Belichick will always make you play left-handed in a game like this. He might not pull out all the stops in a regular season game. In a postseason game, he absolutely will. And so what he's going to do is one of two things. Either he's going to take away A.J. Brown, and A.J. Brown will not beat the Patriots in this game. Or, by the way, A.J. Brown, one of the best rookie receivers we've seen in years, over 1,000 yards on the season. Or he's going to take away Derrick Henry, and he's going to say, Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, the rookie and the journeyman quarterback, you're going to have to beat me. I don't know which one it will be. But I'm interested to see where ultimately Bill Belichick goes with that. That's what I'm most concerned about here. I just think the Titans are the better top-to-bottom team in that one. So I'm going to take the Titans once again on the money line going into New England and winning tonight. Tomorrow is where the really interesting games are. The first game, I think it's going to be fun to watch even if ultimately the score isn't all that close. The Saints at home, they're an eight-point favorite in Vegas. The Vikings going on the road. I like Kirk Cousins more than most. This is a really tough spot. If the Vikings were playing the Seahawks or the Eagles anywhere, wherever the game was going to be played, I would take the Vikings in that game. The Saints are a team that probably deserve to buy. The Saints are a team that in the AFC, given their record at 13-3, would have had the two seed. In the NFC, they're the three seed. They're playing at home in Wild Card Weekend, and I think they will beat the Vikings. Something like 31-24. I think the Vikings cover, but I ultimately think the Saints win that one. And in the final game of the weekend, the Seahawks and the Eagles. It's going to be the closest game of the weekend. It's going to be the ugliest game of the weekend. Both of these teams have been decimated by injury. The Seahawks have all three of their top running backs are not playing in this game. On defense, I don't know how close to 100% Jadeveon Clowney is going to be, and they have the lowest pressure rate in all of football as is, even with Jadeveon Clowney this year. The Eagles, if you look at like their depth chart from coming into the season to where they are today, they're without the entire left side of their offensive line. They're without their top five wide receivers that they had coming into the year, and I don't know how close to 100%, certainly not at 100%, Zach Ertz is going to be in this game. So... Injuries are going to be the story of the game. And ultimately, I think it comes down to something very simple. 
I trust the head coach and quarterback combination of the Seahawks more than I trust the head coach and quarterback com- uh, combination of the Eagles. And so I will take the Seahawks minus the one and a half points on the road in Philly. I think they win this game 23 to 20. I think it's close. I think it's relatively low scoring. I hope that the Seahawks ultimately put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands. Sometimes they have been known to in the first half rely too heavily on the run. And then in the second half, Russell Wilson has to do something special for them to win. I think these are the two worst teams that are playing this weekend. I'm going to go ahead and take the Seahawks in this one to win a really close one. So those are my picks for the weekend. I've got the Bills on the money line going into Houston. I've got the Titans on the money line going into New England. I think the Saints win, but the Vikings cover tomorrow afternoon. And I'm going to take the Seahawks to win covering the one and a half points in Philly tomorrow. That's a 3.30 start. So Excited for the weekend. I think ultimately next weekend, based on those, we will see the Bills here in Kansas City. But I'm rooting for the Patriots to be that team that we see next weekend in Kansas City. I'm Brandon Kylie. Rocco on the other side of the glass. The text line, 69306. Coming up next, we've put a bow on this thing. The stat that tells you the story of what I believe will be the future of the AFC. We'll get into it next. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio. Therese Paler, Tuesdays at 3.30 with The Drive, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. Uh, we've got Rocco on the other side of the glass this morning. The text line is 69306. You can hit me up on Twitter either during the show or after. I'm at BK Sports Talk. So earlier this week, I saw this stat. I found it fascinating. So the stat that tells you the story of the future of the AFC. AFC quarterback playoff wins in their career. Tom Brady has 30. The rest of the AFC field combined has won. Patrick Mahomes won one last year. Lamar Jackson, Watson, Allen, and Tannehill have not yet won a playoff game. In fact, let's take this a step further. Tom Brady has won more playoff games. Again, he has 30. Than the rest of the quarterbacks for the 2019 playoff field combined. Aaron Rodgers has 10. Drew Brees has 8. So does Russell Wilson. And the only other playoff quarterback this year that has a win is Patrick Mahomes. He has won. Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, Ryan Tannehill, Jimmy G, Carson Wentz, Kirk Cousins, all of them have yet to win a playoff game. So the reason I bring that up is very simple. Tom Brady, in my opinion, is coming to an end. His career is coming to a close, at least with the Patriots. And if he's not on the Patriots, I will not view him next season as a Super Bowl contender. I think we are approaching something that is, for most of our listening audience right now, borderline unprecedented. Because in the last 20 years, every year you've gone into the season saying the Patriots are the team to beat. Since 2000, the Patriots have been basically every year the team to beat in the AFC. Some combination of them and whoever Peyton Manning's playing for at the time, whether it be the Colts or the Broncos. And if Tom Brady leaves... If this is indeed his last year in New England, that won't be the case going into next year. And so let's say next season, let's eliminate Tom Brady from this equation. 
And so instead of the Patriots making the playoffs this year, it was, let's say, the Steelers made it, right? With Mason Rudolph, Devlin Hodges, whoever the quarterback was for that team. They would also combine for zero playoff wins. The AFC playoff field as a whole, if that were the case, would have one playoff victory. There would be no coach and quarterback combination that has the history of winning in these situations. None. They wouldn't exist. And so this is why when we talk about the Chiefs and we talk about what the next decade could potentially bring, we did a game earlier this week, the CDOT hypothetical button game, where it's a question of, like, would you accept what the Broncos were in this decade? And the Broncos in this decade, the 2010s, I guess the previous decade, had one Super Bowl win, another appearance, and those are the only two AFC Championship game appearances that they had. I would not click the button on that. Because if the Chiefs only get to two AFC Championship games this decade, it's a colossal failure. If they only get to two Super Bowls, it's a disappointment. Not a failure, but a disappointment. If they only win one over the course of the next decade, that's a little disappointing. That wouldn't have been the case if Tom Brady was in his prime. The Broncos, what they did was a success because they did it while Tom Brady was still somebody they had to go through. The Chiefs are going to be that team now. The Chiefs are going to be the team now that everybody else has to go through. It's the Chiefs, it's the Ravens, it's the Texans. We know how this sets up. The three best young quarterbacks in the league right now are Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, and Patrick Mahomes. You can put them in the order you want to. I think it's Mahomes, Watson, Lamar. I can listen to whatever order you want to put them in, though. The Chiefs, because they have Patrick Mahomes and because they have Andy Reid, will be the team for the next decade that other teams have to go through. And so would I accept one Super Bowl win, one other appearance, and those two total AFC championship games? No. No, because the Patriots aren't going to be that team anymore. The Patriots aren't going to be the team that you have to go through. You don't have to go through Tom Brady. Tom Brady in the last decade, listen to this. This is what he's done with the Patriots. They won three Super Bowls. They went to two others. That's half of the Super Bowl appearances for the AFC were the Patriots. And so other teams in the league divvied up the other five. They went to eight, eight. AFC Championship games this decade. There were a total of 20 possibilities of going to the AFC Championship game. Eight of them went to the Patriots. The other 12 were divvied up against every other team in the AFC. When you have a team that is that dominant, when you have a team that is sucking up that much of the success over the course of a decade, it's just really difficult for anybody else to rack up those kinds of numbers. It's really tough for anybody else to rack up the opportunity to be able to go to the Super Bowl time and time and time again. Those now become possible. Those opportunities that previously were all going to the Patriots, now they will be divvied up across the Ravens and the Texans and the Chiefs. I'm not expecting five Super Bowl appearances for the Chiefs. I'm not expecting three Super Bowl wins for the Chiefs. I'm not expecting eight AFC uh, championship game appearances for the Chiefs. That is unprecedented. We've never seen anything like it. I am expecting, though, three Super Bowl appearances, maybe two wins, four or five AFC Championship game appearances. 
And so that's better than what the Broncos did this decade. That's better than what the Seahawks did this decade. It's better than what the Packers did this decade. It's better than just about anybody did in the previous decade. But it's so hard for us to have a comparison for what these teams will be moving forward because for most of our frames of reference, the team that you would point to is the Patriots, and we've never seen anything like it. They've had two 10-year runs that are among the best 10-year runs that we've ever seen in the history of the league. And now that's gone, in my opinion. Now, after today, my opinion again, we will not have that team to point to anymore. That team that we're pointing to is going to be the Chiefs and the Ravens and the Texans. And it all starts today. If the Patriots lose in this game, the AFC for the next decade is going to be wide open. I think that's going to be the case regardless because I think this is the end of Tom Brady. But the end of Tom Brady marks the beginning of whoever that next franchise is going to be. There's going to be a power struggle in the AFC. There's going to be a power vacuum in terms of who's going to take on that lead role. Who's going to be the hunted moving forward? I think it's going to be the Chiefs. I think they are the team that is most well-equipped to become that team. And it all begins today. It's going to be a fun playoffs, man. Some people have said it's as open as it's been in years. I don't know if I agree with that. But it is certainly open. I've got the Bills. I've got the Titans today. I hope the Patriots win because I want to see the Chiefs put it into that dynasty. I've got the Saints and the Seahawks tomorrow. For Rocco, I'm Brandon Kylie. I know it was an abbreviated version of the leadoff today. We'll be back with you guys next week. We've got plenty to get to. A big week of AFC playoffs for us to talk about all week on 610 Sports Radio. We've got a new midday show as well. Go ahead and give them a shot. They've been fantastic thus far. Going to be even better moving forward. Appreciate you guys listening today. Get in touch with me at BK Sports Talk on Twitter. Coming up next, we've got K-State basketball. They begin their quest for the Big 12 later on today. Lot to get to. Thanks for listening today. We'll be back next week as the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. Sports Radio. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.